of two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Okay, fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> Hello, welcome one and all to a special edition of the National Curriculum Podcast with myself, Joey Lynch. And indeed, it is a big special edition of the National Curriculum Podcast. How big? I hear you ask. Well, big Ange, big. Yep, that is right. Celtic FC boss Ange Postacoglu sitting down with me for 15 minutes, quarter of an hour, but we pack a lot into it. We talk about a whole range of things. The Socceroos heading to Qatar, his time in the Champions League and what he's taken away from it. His time under Real Madrid legend Ferenc Pushkas as he prepares to head to Spain to lead Celtic against Real. Discuss his time at South Melbourne, the connection that he's made with Celtic fans. What makes a real derby? What makes a real club? And a whole lot more. It's a really great chat. And, of course, well, he's going to be returning to Australia this November with an exclusive new two-show speaking tour, An Evening with Ange Postacoglu, The Journey So Far, presented by TG Live. Tickets available now at www.tglive.com.au. Guess how we teed up this chat, but... It's a great one. It's a really good one. Reminder, while you are here, make sure you subscribe and leave a review of the National Curriculum so you can hear all of our takes on Australian football every week. But for now, special edition, Big Ange, strap in, enjoy it. Thanks for joining me, mate. I'm aware I've not got much time, so I'll crack right into it. UEFA Champions League, wanted to ask you about first. One game remaining on your campaign. I was reading your remarks about how you're already planning your return for next year. I wanted to find out, what have you learned about both yourself as a coach and this Celtic team in this year's competition? Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's about learnings. I think we, we haven't discovered everything anything we didn't know. Um, you know, our, our, our sort of, you know, ambition this year was to, to try and, you know, be the football team we want to be at the highest possible level and uh, find out where we're at with that. And um, I think we've done that. You know, we've obviously... We're disappointed with the outcome and, and we've fallen short in some key areas. But, you know, within that context is that you don't find that out unless you're prepared to, to test yourself. And I think we've done that. And as I said, there's nothing that we've seen or that I've seen that we weren't expecting. Um, you know, the key to that then becomes sort of, you know, when you, <coughs> when you continue to continue progress is to make sure that, you know, like I said we constantly expose ourselves to that level and, chip away at the, the, the areas we need to improve in and um, that can only come through you know, continued presence at, at that level of football because you know there's there's not a football that can replicate playing at that level particularly you know in the Scottish Premiership or <coughs> I guess in most leagues apart from maybe you know, the, the top five leagues you know if you want to sort of establish yourself and improve at, at Champions League level you have to be consistently um, you know at that sort of um, presence there um, to improve. I mean, you're talking about testing yourself away to away to Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. It doesn't get much more testing than that. Is that the kind of fixture you envisioned when you took this Celtic job? Oh, look, I, you know, I, I guess you don't, you know, I don't sort of think that way. My, my sort of, when I got this job, was about, well, you know, can I bring my own vision to one of the biggest football clubs in the world? get them to play 
Cardiff and Paul were you know, sort of established in the past with other teams and be successful with it. So that's <coughs> that's where sort of my ambitions lay. Um, but again, knowing you know the football club you're at, that if if those things happen, then you'll get opportunities to test yourself against the best. And, uh, we certainly get. You know, we've had that this year and most in, in the Champions League, both home and away. And <coughs> I guess from my perspective, it's about, again, how can we um, continue to have a presence here? Because it's not, it's about this football club. It's not about me. This football club, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest clubs in the world. And, you know, I think a club of its stature should be in that Champions League every year. And, and you know, this is our first sort of go at it after five years' absence, you know, that, now for us to, to really become a Champions League football club, which I think it's, it's what it deserves, you have to be there you know, every year or close to every year. And um, that's got to be our next time. Mm. You've got a bit of a loose uh, loose connection with Real, <coughs> given that your former coach, Ferenc Pushkas, um, is also a legend of that club. I wanted to ask what impact did, and Peter Salakis tells me that he was always the boss, what impact did the boss have on you as a person and player in your time under him? Yeah, I think I've said in the past, I think it was just more, um, you know, his impact as a person because he's, you know, one of the world's greatest footballers. And, you know, I think he, he showed us that, you know, irrespective of your stature or what you've achieved, you can still be a decent person and, and, and gain respect by just treating people, uh, you know, as you would um, anyone else. And that's the way he sort of treated us. And, and, you know, there was never any arrogance about him. You know, he really cared about us as people. And, and, you know, we ended up, we were a pretty young group. We ended up winning the championship because we really wanted to play for him. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot in that. You need to have a connection between you know, the, the manager and, and the players. And, and he, he did that just through being a really humble, respectful person, which, you know, at the time, maybe we weren't as appreciative of it because, you know, you're kind of in the moment, but as I got older and realised that, you know, I had, you know, the, the absolute um, the privilege of sharing a dressing room with one of the greatest footballers of all time and, and, you know, the impact he had on me was to show me that, you know, what he, he was still, you know, a decent person within that and, and still cared about people, which, uh, you know, which is something I've, I've taken away from that. Do you think it's a coincidence that so many of the players in that team who worked under Ferenc have gone on to have such massive roles in football here in Australia, or in your case, around the world? Um, no, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I mean, I think everyone takes their own sort of, um, you know, experiences and, and what they, they, they gain from that. But there was certainly a, a real strong, you know, I think anyone you talk to through that time from our team, there was a real strong unity amongst the players and a real sort of family-like environment where we cared about each other and had a really strong connection. And I think that was established by by the boss, you know, because like I said, we're all, we're a fairly young group. I mean, I, I think, you know, I was probably 23, 24 when I was captain. I was, I think apart from Steve Blair, I was, I was the most experienced. So we're kind of all sort of similar age groups, come, you know, sort of getting to the similar stages in our lives and, and having someone like, you know, the boss there to, to give us some life lessons, which maybe sort of, like I said, resonate with us a bit later than, than they did at the time, probably um, helped everyone in their journeys. Mm. Of course, you're returning back home to Melbourne, where I'm recording from this November, well, and Sydney as well, with a 
two shows speaking to and evening with Ange Postacoglu, The Journey So Far, presented by TG Live. Tickets at tglive.com.au. I should do ad reads more often. Um, and home is um, where South Melbourne is. And I did want to ask you, you're obviously, well, you're a man with deep-seated footballing principles and that starts very young. And I think you joined South Melbourne at nine years old. What were those formative years like when you're not even in the senior team, you're just a junior coming up through the ranks? How was Ange Postacoglu, the football person, moulded in those times? I think mainly because of environment. Again, you know, it's something I've often said that South Melbourne wasn't really, well, it wasn't just a football club for us. It was, it was, more, it was always more than that. It was an extension of our family because like many people in our situation, uh, migrants um, coming to a foreign land and, and often without family support networks that, you know, you have, um, you, you seek shelter and comfort um, in other areas. And for us, that's what South Melbourne was. You know, it was a, it was a, a place of um, community where, you know, I, my best friends today are the guys I met when I was nine years old, you know, so it goes beyond the impact it has on, on you as a you know, your football journey, the impact it has on your life. Um, and, you know, for, for, for my family in particular, um, like I said, not the unique story, but, you know, the club was something that allowed us to, to adjust to life in, in a new land. Because of that, those lessons and stay with you because you understand the importance of community, you understand the importance of support of, of what it's like to be an outsider and, and <coughs> finding an environment where people actually embrace you and, and you feel comfortable. Now, I was a young kid, so I didn't know any different, but I know it had a massive impact on, on you know, obviously my father. And, um, he was able to, you know, a lot of the stuff that he left behind in Greece, which he missed, you know, he, 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 he could sort of find at South Melbourne. And, um, so it was an important part of my upbringing. And it's where I fell in love with the game. We, like I said, we, we were only juniors, but we were there every day. We were either training with, with the junior teams or we were watching the senior team play. On the weekend, we'd play outside Middle Park, you know, on the grounds there, and then straight after we'd go into the main ground and either be ball boys or, or you know, watch the game. It was, it was a constant presence in our lives. And now you touched on the the connection between club and community, and now you're at another club in Celtic that also appears to have such strong ties with its community. What have you learnt about that connection in your time um, there in Glasgow? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, again, I, I was well aware of the football club and the history. I think you know, sometimes people from the side of the world think that because you know, we, we're so far away that we don't sort of really... Um, understand what football means over here but if anything because we are so far away I, for guys like myself who are so passionate about the game you, you kind of immerse yourself and try to find get as much information so I, was, I knew what I was into but you do feel that sense of again same sort of feeling I had at South probably obviously not long to a greater extent um, that it's more than just the football club you know for the people who support it's, it's generational. It's something that is more meaningful than just going and supporting the sporting team on the weekend looking for a win. It means much more than that. And, and I think it's why, you know, I've, I've sort of connected with the club really well. And I think the supporters have embraced me because, you know, I think when I talk about my own journey, they, they know that I, I understand what this football club's about. Um, and that's been 
sort of a, you know, a, an easy transition for me in that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sort of understand or, or trying to sell myself, um, you know, I speak about my own experiences and I think it, it resonates really closely with this football club's because you have over the journey obviously there's south melbourne there but there's also melbourne victory yokohama raw salona brisbane raw and now celtic in your experiences are there any common threads there that help a club connect with and be part of its community is there anything you've picked up over the journey yeah i think so i think you know that you know um, for clubs to be really successful and sustainable there's got to be there has to be that sense of community about it. You know, I think when, when clubs sort of treat themselves as you know separate entities to the to the communities they represent because of maybe you know a, a, an owner takes a certain take on it or they try and build something that's not that doesn't fit with the community they represent. It never works. You can have short term success, but it never works. I mean, if you look at you know the the old NSL clubs who, who for a long time were the biggest clubs in our country and, and sustained our game, they were built around communities. Um, when you look at the A-League, you know, I think the most successful clubs in terms of um, attachment to, to, to some sort of community are teams like Melbourne Victory, Western Sydney Wanderers, who again have you know, have really built their club around their fan base, the people who are most important. I think when clubs realise that you know, the people who coming through the turnstiles every week are your most important people, more important than the players, the coaches, the owners, then I think, and it's not easy to do that because, you know, um, for a lot of them, it's, it's it, you know, they think around the financials and, and they don't see a person that buys the membership and buys the ticket as, as the key to growth. Um, but ultimately, that's where, you know, success really lies. If you can put those people at the forefront of your football club, um, you're more likely to have some sort of sustained connection and, and I think sustained success. And also here in Australia, we've just had the Melbourne Derby. We're heading into the Sydney Derby. You yourself, you've got a lot of experience with derbies, South South Melbourne Knights, Hellas Croatia, and then the South Carlton Games and Melbourne Victory versus Melbourne Heart back in the day. In your experience, and of course now uh, Celtic Rangers, in your experience, what makes a, a good derby, a special derby versus just a local rivalry? Again, I think it, 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 it sort of centered around the supporters. I mean, um, the first one I was ever involved in, and, you know, you got that feeling was Hellas Heidelberg, you know, it was massive. And, and, you know, and that was because of the two fans, you know, they were really very passionate about their football club. So when you played one another, it's, <coughs> you were playing for more than just bragging rights, you know, it was, a, it was laying down a flag, a marker in enemy territory. That's been the, the constant in all those kind of derbies. <coughs> As I said later on, it was Melbourne Knights, uh, Melbourne Croatia, and you know, I had it with, with obviously with, with, with victory and, and heart. And, um, you know, so those kind of things are really important. And the reason they're important is because they're supporters again, uh, important again to the most important people, the supporters. They're the ones that feel it the most and you, and you sense that. And, um, you know, they're, they're great occasions and you definitely look forward to you, you know, I think, you know, they're, Particularly when they're <clears throat> real rivalries, I think sometimes, particularly in Australia, we try to manufacture these things and it doesn't work. It's got to come from the supporters. They'll tell you if it's a rivalry or not. You can't sort of tell them who, who their big rivals are. They'll, they'll let you know. And just because I'm running out of time, I might want to ask you, obviously, 
Next month, we've got the World Cup, the Socceroos heading to Qatar. How do you think they'll go? Well, I think it's it's an opportunity like every other World Cup, Joe. Like, we shouldn't take it for granted that we're there. Um, I think we should appreciate that because, again, you know, I'm in Scotland. They're very passionate about football. They haven't been to one for a while. And, and I tell you, if they got to one, they would enjoy it. You know, they enjoy the experience. And I think it's important we do. I think sometimes we get really, particularly at the moment, because we've qualified for the last you know, four or five, whatever it is, um, <coughs> we always get a bit anxious about it and forget that it's, it's actually a celebration of an achievement, you know, of getting there. And then get there and make an impact, mate. You know, just, you know, do something that, that, that lays the market down for our country and, and our football. That's what we do. I mean, I, my 2014 Brazil, I think, you know, I, I enjoyed it so much, but, you know, I think it was a missed opportunity because I think we played well enough to beat the Dutch. And if we did, it would be something that, you know, Australian football could reflect on. But I'm still proud of the fact that we took the game to, we had a young group <coughs> playing against, you know, one of the best teams in the world at the time and we took it to them and that's what Australian football is about so you know that's the opportunity that exists for this group and Arnie and go there and make an impact mate nothing to lose and, and, and enjoy the experience.